Father, we just come to you, believing you will speak to us. We have come prepared. You will speak to us. You will speak to us. You're a God who always speaks. All of heavens and creation speaks about you. If only we had eyes and ears to see. But it's all about you. The wonder of the creator. The care and the concern of the creator. The love of the creator. And that creator is our father. And our father will definitely speak to us today. Speak to us today, Lord. Speak to us. We commit this time into thy hands. Ourselves into thy hands. And we pray for open heavens, open ears, open heart, and an understanding mind. Thank you. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 When you get time, when we post those old messages, listen. I listened to one of my old messages, 2009. I think the last message, I think it was a Christmas message. I'm not sure. It's called Leaving Jacob's Well. It's just an hour. Okay. Yeah, it was last week. It's not because I preached. It was a good message. I was surprised. Did I preach that 14 years ago? I mean, I learned things I had forgotten. <laughs> Keep listening. Whenever you have time, plug in, listen. It's free. Something God will speak to you. Before we go to the word, let me give you a joke. Humor. And uh, all have black hair, so you're good. I apologize. I apologize to all my online blonde sisters. Daughters and granddaughters, because I have all of them. Okay, it's just a joke. You are smart. You're not dumb as they call you. You are very smart. But this is a joke. There was a farmer who had two daughters, a redhead and a blonde. Then the father died, and he left the farm to these two daughters. The problem with the farm was full of cows, but they had no bull. So they said, if we need to expand, we need to buy a bull. Otherwise, how are we, our farm going to grow? So the redhead said, I will go to the nearest town. I heard there is a bull for sale. And I will go there because we don't have enough money. I will go myself. And if I find the right bull, I will send you a telegram because there were no phones that kind of those days. And uh, you bring the pickup truck and pick the bull. So the redhead went there, found a farmer who had the bull they wanted. But he said, she, she had only she had $600. So she haggled and haggled and haggled and haggled and he said, no, the last price is $599. So she finally agreed for $599 and went to the telegraph office. She has to send a telegram to her sister to come and pick the, with the pickup truck to pick the bull. The problem is the telegram man said, per word it is $1, the charge. So she just wrote one word and, and he looked at it and said, and he knew what was the situation. I mean, he says, what are I going to do? You need to send a telegram to his sister to come and pick the bull. She said, no problem, just one word. And he looked at the word and said, comfortable. And he said, that's enough. She said, yeah, my sister is a blonde. She will read it slowly. Comfort the bull. And she came. So when I'm preaching... 
If you think you are blonde, listen slowly. You will get it. Take the recording today. You can reduce the speed on your system, 1.5 or 2. And you will be able to come and pick up the bull. Whatever way, listen. Okay, once again, my blonde sisters, daughters, and granddaughters, you are smart. This is just a joke. So here we are, and we'll go to Isaiah 53, verse 6. Though the message is not about that. To the simplest language possible, this is the definition of sin. General and personal. All we, meaning all of us, all of mankind. We all, or all we, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sin, death, life, resurrection, all in that one verse. We all went, like what? Sheep. You cannot do anything to sheep. They will go astray. Unlike any other animal on earth, sheep need constant guidance. Their built-in antenna is to get lost. Which is true. You ask any shepherd. They will just stray. You leave them for 10 minutes, they will get lost. You find them, bring them back, leave them alone, they will get lost. God in his compassion is comparing us to sheep and to himself as the shepherd and says, we all, like sheep, went astray. This is the general sin of mankind. So we all went astray. And then, everyone to his own way. We all have our personal sins which we struggle with. Everyone. Everyone has his own way. So what is sin? Sin is to go our way. God has his way. We have our way. Then each one has his own way. That is sin. What is salvation? God pays the penalty of going away from him and restores us back to his way. That is salvation. Very simple. Not complicated. It's very, very simple. So there is general sin. All have sin. And there is personal sin in that. Cain's sin was anger. Samson's sin was lust. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's sin was fear. Different people, different sins. Our struggles are not the same. Though we are all gone astray. We have our personal battles which we fight. Because we all went our own way. Our own way. God's solution? In Romans 10 and verses 8 to 13, simple. Yes. I didn't give it? Oh. 
But what does it say? What can save us? What does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth. In your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart the Lord has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The interesting part is that. If you were to go to the old covenant to find this, that's what I want to go there first. We go to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you. Nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor it's beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. In your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have said before you today, life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. You know what you said? I said before you, life, death, good, and evil. Would you please choose? So simple. It's not complicated. The power to choose has never been taken away from man. Will never be taken away from man. That is what makes man, man. That is what makes man different from the rest of creation. The power to choose. Please remember, whatever we are today, the sum total of the choices we made, some total of the choices we made and are consistently making. We choose. And God says, you know what? I will not force you. Because I gave you the freedom to choose. I've given you the freedom to choose. But I will tell you. I'll counsel you. I will advise you. I will teach you. This is what you have to choose. If you choose this, it will be life. If you choose this, it will be death. And we can choose every day, life or death. And our choices will go beyond us. The same chapter, in verse 19, this is what God says. I call heaven and earth as, you witness, as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your dissonance may, not only you, your choices don't stop with you. Choices don't stop with you. Your choices will go into your dissonance. It will affect your children and your children's children. Abraham made a choice. It affected positively Isaac. And Jacob and Israel. One man made a choice. 
and his family line completely turned around. Do you know from his own generation any other family line? No. He made one choice. Made a choice for God. And when choices are given, we are not given too many choices. When Abraham was given a choice, he was only given one choice. He could either choose to stay or choose to leave. God came and told him, don't stay, leave. And he left. And because he left, he heard other things and he made subsequent choices. Everything God says to man is because the man has the power to choose. God doesn't speak to animals. He doesn't speak to birds. He doesn't speak to the fish, though he commands them to help us. But he doesn't communicate to them the way he does to us because they don't have the power to choose. And the power to choose is called our will. Is our will. Feelings have very little got to do with it. What you got to do with this? Your will. Hell is full of people with good feelings. But bad choices. One terrible choice. Choose to reject the free offer of mercy. So put your feelings right now in a in your water bottle and lock it. Okay? But the choices are going to be made by your will and not by your feelings. We have heard this over and over again. Unlike animals, we are like God. Not in power, not in knowledge, not in any of this thing, but in nature. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, but he is three, but one. We are three, but one. We have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. Okay. When Adam walked with God, God is a spirit, Adam has that spirit, God is able to communicate with Adam, there is light in his life, the soul listens, the soul makes a choice, the body follows. Everything is in balance. Then one day, Adam decided to disobey God and go his own way. Forget who he listened to. That's not the point. The point is he chose to go away from the way God has gone. And what did God say? The day you eat, you will? You will surely die. Okay. Imagine yourself. Imagine yourself. Okay, good in imagining, right? Imagine yourself has a house with three rooms. The spirit is one room, the soul is one room, the body is one room. And all these three rooms are lighted. The day man went away from God's will, the lights went off here. It's absolutely dark. Now he's got a soul and a body only. The spirit is dead. The lights went off. Now he's going to make choices only based on the soul and the body, not based on the spirit. That is what the Bible says, and that is what is true. 
That is what it means in Psalm 51 and verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. Nothing has got to do with the mother. People have taken this and blamed their mothers. It's got nothing to do with the mother. Basically, it's saying that we were born spiritually dead. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. I think I gave it to you. He made you alive. Who were? That's how we were all born. We were born dead. We had two birth certificates. One was given by the hospital. Another was given by the the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gave us a birth certificate that said, dead on arrival. All, everyone, born dead. Absolutely bonded, dead in sin, without any capacity to on your own know God, no capacity. You cannot know God on your own, impossible, because your soul simply doesn't have that capacity to know God. So unless God intervenes, we were born dead, we will live dead, and one day we will be dead dead. So when God said, you will die, that death has two parts. One is, you are born dead. The second is, part two is, the day you die, your soul will leave this body. Where it goes, God knows. Body where it goes. It goes to the earth, whichever format. Earth, sea, crematorium, wherever it goes. Remember that. That is the first death, which has two parts. You're born dead, and then one day your soul will leave your body. Then there is death too. Revelation 20 and verses 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw who? The dead. I saw the dead. Dead does not mean you are dead. Dead does also mean you are separated from God and now you have come into God's presence for judgment. Dead, small and great, standing before God and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and head is delivered up the dead who were in them. So there are many places where the dead go. They were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is so there are two deaths. We were born dead. Then one day we will actually physically die. The soul will. Now on that day, a thousand years after Jesus' reign, all those will stand before God. Books will be open. Only one thing really, really mattered. Forget about all the other books. There's one book. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life or not? Now, so remember, you can't write your name over there. He has to write your name there. That is the only thing that matters. Is my name in that book? Forget about the rewards and all. Secondary. First, get admission in the school. 
Otherwise, we are daydreaming. The only thing that will matter is, is your name in the Lamb's book of life. So there are two deaths. Two deaths. Okay, two deaths. So we who were dead, the Bible says, he made us alive. There is no point doing anything to dead people. He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So if you are dead, meaning truly you are never born again, the word will have no effect on you. Because you are dead. <laughs> you are dead. You take a dead corpse, you put the best costume on it, put makeup on its face, put a crown on its head and rings in its finger, it is still dead. It is still dead. The only one who can make you alive is God. That's why we need a savior. I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. Religion cannot save yourself because it is a dead man's religion. You need God to save us. So in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus comes. And Jesus comes and says, you know what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one can come to the Father other than through me. Now the problem is there is only one who can give life, that is Jesus. Nobody else can give life. They can preach. and They can preach well. They can teach well. Buddha can teach well. Muhammad can teach well. All the ancient prophets and sages, all of them can teach well. But there is one thing they cannot do. They cannot give you life. They cannot give you life. Only Christ can give you life. So if you go to back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, the prophetic chapter about the new covenant and verse 19, I call heaven and earth as you witness today against you. I have set before you what? Life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore choose life that both you may live. If you get married and have children, your children may live. And in verse 20, what God says, that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice, you may cling to him for who's your life? God is your life. God is your life. And the length of your days. They didn't understand what it was. They didn't. We only in the new covenant understand what it is. So Deuteronomy, the final words of Prophet Moses to the children of Israel. Only in the new covenant we understand. This is the shadow. The substance is Christ. How do I choose? When you hear the gospel. You choose. You have a choice. The gospel has to be preached. And when the gospel is preached, like Pastor Vijay was talking about, it's irrelevant who the people are. They may be simple, they may know how to read and write, they may not have gone to school, but when you preach Christ crucified, you have to see their attention. Nobody's bored, nobody's sleeping, 
Everybody is listening and intently listening. On the fourth floor, in that heat, nobody is moving. Because you know what? You're preaching Christ crucified. And they realize there is life. For he has come to give us life. So in Colossians 2 and verse 17, this is what the apostle says. What is he talking about? Everything Moses and the old covenant talk. They are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is Christ. When God says, I said before you life and death, blessing and curses, choose life. How do I choose? He says, my son, he is your life. Whoever has the son has life. He who does not have the son doesn't matter how great he is, how good he is, what all he has done. He simply does not have life. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have. So Deuteronomy 30, we understand in the new covenant, what does it mean to choose life? Every day, every day, we have a choice. And how does it begin? In Acts chapter 2, it's interesting. Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 37. This is Peter preaching. Okay? Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he is preaching. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now remember where he started preaching. He started preaching like us about Joel, the book of Joel. This is what the prophet said. Your young men shall prophesy and dreams and visions and all the things, sun and moon and blood moon. I think yesterday was blood moon. Yeah, yesterday was blood moon, right? Yeah, uh, Saturday, it was blood moon. The signs are there. <laughs> Blood moon and all these things. Was everybody moved? No, the intellect was tickled. Oh, blood moon, yeah, prophecy. I desire prophecy visions. But when he said Christ crucified, the hearts were cut. When you lift me up, Jesus said, when you lift me up, then I will draw. All men towards me. When was he lifted up? He was lifted up by the Romans on the cross. They nailed him to the cross and they lifted him up. Therefore we preach Christ crucified. To those who are being saved and those who are called, it is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. Nothing else can save us. No other message can save mankind. We preach Christ crucified. And as soon as he preached Christ crucified, the spirit starts getting into work. The hearts were rent. The hearts were cut. And they asked this question, what must we do? What must we do? And his first word, Peter said to them, repent. Repent. What is repent? Everyone, turn away from your own way. And return to God. His but what is the way? Well, there is a man called Jesus. He is the way. He is the way. We all went astray like sheep. Each one to his own way. 
And God took all our iniquity and laid on him. So when I look at Christ Jesus, I realize he was crucified for me. Because, not for me alone, first because of me and for me. And God says, when you look at that and you actually believe, you repent and you believe, then your iniquity is laid on him. He becomes the way. So what is the first word said? Repent. What is repent? To turn from my way and turn to God's way. It's as simple. And it begins when we get saved. And we are only saved when it begins. Then all our life, God will be showing us, turn here, turn here, turn here, turn here. Go to that path. Stay in that path. Because in that path there is one, there is liberty. Because that's what truth does to you. It sets you free. Third, there is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The first thing God demands is, you know what? Turn from, stop. If you're going this way, stop and turn. Stop. Stop going your way. I think it's Proverbs 14 and verse 12, which says, There is a way that seems right to man. Verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. A lot of choices we make and it looks so good because results are coming just like that. But at the end of it is death. That is what Jonah realized. Boy, God said, go to Nineveh. He went to Tarsus. But when he went to Tarsus, everything fell into place. He goes to Joppa. He goes down to the beach and he inquires. There is a ship going straight to Tarsus. He checks with the shipmaster. One berth empty. He checks his pocket. Enough money for the... Everything is falling into place. But he didn't realize he's on the way to death. Just because everything goes for you. If it is not God's way, at the end of it is death. End of it is death. When you are in God's way, you will face opposition. Enemy within, enemy without. All that will be there. But don't worry. All you need to make sure is I'm on the right way. It's worth it. It may be tough. It may be terrible on the way. But the end of it is life. And life eternal. So the first thing is repent. Telugu you say Marumanasu? Yeah? Yeah, I heard that over and over and over telling in Telugu translation. Manfirao Hindi. Stop. Because you're going your way. Stop. Second thing you need to do is Mark 16, 16. He who believes and baptized. Not baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Unless you have believed first. Have you believed? Repent. Believe. And be baptized. You're not even getting into baptism. You have to stop. Turn from your own way. And believe in the way God is showing. So this will happen all my life. So when we turn into that way, 
We are pointed to Christ who is crucified. You know what Jesus becomes for us? In John 10 and verse 7, he becomes the door. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He becomes the doorway. We go through him. He becomes the door. And in verse 11, we can be very sure about him. Why? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It's very simple when God gives you the words. You can be very politically correct in a religiously surcharged country like India. And still preach Christ crucified. So the simple thing to ask them is live India alone. We'll go to every other country. We start with Greece, the gods of Greece, the gods of Rome, the gods of Egypt, the gods of Babylon, the gods of China, the gods of every other nation. Has anybody died for you? No. Pick any god from any nation. Put them all in a line. What do they have? Glory, power, many arms, many weapons. And then in the middle of it hangs a man naked on the cross. And God says, believe in him. He laid down his life for you. Lay down his life for you. No God has laid down his life for us. Every God, if you look into every country, comes to destroy the sinners. Our God came to save the sinners. Nobody. Nobody has come to save the sinners. Nobody has died. Not a single God. So he says, I am the good shepherd. I know you are all sheep. You all have gone astray. Each one in his own way. Which is true. If you see sheep, if the shepherd is not there, the herd of sheep, you have 50, they will go 50 different ways. They don't follow a leader or anything. They just get lost. That is their nature. That is the human nature. I don't see anybody, two people dressed the same way. The same colors. Why? Everyone got up in the morning and thought differently. Though you all belong to the same church and listen to the same message and read the same Bible, each one got up in the morning and went their own way. Now, that is not sin in dressing differently. That is fine. But I'm, t- I'm telling you, that is the nature of man, the old man. Each one goes his own way. There is the good shepherd who lays his life Therefore, there stands Jesus, the good shepherd. In Matthew 9 and verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Looked at them. And the multitudes. Looked at them. They were weary. They were scattered. Why? Because they had no Sure. Now we are all here together, right? All of us from so many different parts of the city all have come together. Do you know why? Not because there is a hall in Jivan Jyoti. Because you have a shepherd. 
Either me or Pastor PJ is not preaching here. You won't come. You won't come. And he looked at them. And he had compassion on them. They are weary. They are weary. But please remember this. This is God. With all his infinite love. And compassion. And long suffering. And kindness. All he will do. Or all he can do. Is lay down his life for us. And then invite us. And say come. That's all he will do. That's all he can do. Now, when the invitation goes, we have a will and we have to choose. That is the problem. See, with animals, he has no issues. Have you noticed that? It took 120, probably, years of preaching from Noah. Not a man moved. When just God commanded, the animals moved and got into the ark. No gospel preaching, no preacher of righteousness, nothing. Get in, got it. No will. Come on. Famine in Samaria, famine in Israel. There's no food for humans. Then how much more? Less for animals. Raven, twice a day, take food to my servant Elijah, drop it in his lap and go back. You will not eat on the way. Yes, sir. No problems. Rooster, you will crow how many times? Only three, not four. Three, only four. Because if you crow four times, he will be confused. I said three. He will repent. Four times he will wonder, should I make a restitution? And he cannot make a restitution. Three. Only three. With humans, because we have this free will, we'll understand the wonder and the tyranny of free will. All who make it to heaven is because they freely chose Christ. And all who made it to hell is they freely chose to disregard God's invitation and said, I will make it my way through this God or that God, this saint or Mary or whatever. But God says, there's only one way. Only one has laid his life for you. You choose to go your own way. You will realize at the end of the way, there is a place called lake of fire. It is death. The devil has hidden it from you. But that is the truth. There's another way which looks very narrow. The gate is very straight. But he laid down his life so he becomes a gate. He becomes the way. Get in. But all he can do is himself invite and through his servants there is an invitation. And the invitation goes to the ends of the earth. For 2,000 years it's been going on and on and on and on and on. In the last days through the internet, through the media, invitation is going on. That's all he can do. And that's all he will do because he gave man the freedom to choose. In Matthew 11 and verse 28, the Lord says, come to me. Come to me. All who labor and heavy laden, come to me. Now remember, this is God. So what will you do 
he will make us labor and weary and heavy laden, hoping that will cause us finally to turn to God. That is what war, pestilence, famine all does. Ultimately, people will realize, my way is a dead end. Is there any hope? All the gods I called upon is useless. All my efforts, they are useless. Is there any way? And then God says, I am the way. All who are weary and heavy laden. What is the invitation? Come to me. It's an invitation. He says, come to me. The question is, will I go to him? I want rest, but I won't come to you. God says, I am your rest. In John 7 and verse 37, he says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. It's an invitation. Whenever you have an invitation, you have a choice. Accept the invitation, disregard the invitation. Come to me. In John chapter 1, verse 38 and 39, when John pointed out and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Two of his disciples followed him. And he asked them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? What did he say in verse 39? Come and see. If you want to see where Jesus stays, Jesus says, come and see. Do you know where I stay? He says, I stay in the bosom of the Father. I am the way to the Father. Come and see. He who has come from the bosom of the Father has revealed him to you. I am the way. No man comes to the Father other than through me. You want to see me? Where I stay? Come with me. Stay in the journey. I will take you straight to the Father. And that's what we see in Revelation 22, the finished work where mankind is now with the Father forever and ever. Come and see. All who are very heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. All who are thirsty, come to me and drink. You want to know where I stay? Come and see. In Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven. Come. Come. Take up the cross and follow me. Jesus loved him. One block. Everybody has got one block. There's nobody here who doesn't have one block. Everybody has one block. At least one. Others have multiple. But at least one block everybody has. If you don't have that one block, you will be sanctified and glorified. One block is still there. Everybody has one block. That is standing between you and Christ's invitation. And that one thing is your way. One major block. One major block. And he went away. The word of God says he went away. When he was sad at this word. And he went away sorrowful. Because he had great possessions. He was not willing to let go of it. 
and he went away sad. Because that was his way. That's what I said. There'll be enormous pressure within and without. Flesh within, the world without, Satan without. But if you choose to pick up your cross and follow him, he's with you all the way. You know what he says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 31? He said to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. He said, come aside with me. Rest. You need rest. Your spirit needs to be rejuvenated. It needs to be stirred up again. And you cannot stay. Come apart from the crowd. Stay with me. Come aside with me. And you have to choose to take that invitation. If you are saved, if you are choosing to follow Jesus Christ and you are burnt out, listen to his invitation. Come apart with me. If you don't come apart with God, you will fall apart. You will fall apart. Come apart with me. You can go to 500 different destinations for a vacation. You can go to the spa and have the massage every toe of yours. You can have a hot bath and a cold bath. You can lie on ice. It is not going to happen unless you get apart with him. It won't, it won't rejuvenate your soul. But if you come apart with him, even if you have no vacation, and as far as I see from the Jesus stepped into his ministry till he went to the cross, he had no vacation. He never took a break, except his breaks with his father alone. He, he, he came apart with his, went apart. That's what the Bible will say. Nobody has ever ministered the way he ministered. Nobody ever, ever ministered the way he ministered. The word, the healings, the deliverance, and the crowds. But the Bible says, early in the morning, when it was still dark, he went apart with his father. And he came down. He was good. So this invitation, come, 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 it will change as you move. The invitation continues from the first invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, to come apart from me. And then when you don't come apart with him, you will fall apart. And you will realize in John 21, 3 to 5, you have a set of disciples who have seen the resurrected Savior come apart. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Got nothing. When morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. Verse 12, and Jesus said to them, come, eat with me. It worked. 
You fell apart. You didn't listen to what I said. You fell apart. Have you worked? Have you labored? Is it worth anything? Think about it. Honestly, think about it. You are at the end of your life. Let us say you are 75 years old. And this is your last day on earth. And you think you have lived a rich, full life. In the last moments of life, God flashes your entire life in the light of heaven and says your work life in heaven is worth nothing. Have you caught anything? And you say, Lord, nothing. Have you labored? Yes. Through the night? Yes. Did you catch anything? Nothing. Come. Dine with me. I have made breakfast for you. I will feed you. Eat what I have. Are we getting it? But behind, whenever this invitation comes, come, we have our free will. You have to choose. You have to choose. Remember the song of Solomon, Pastor Vijay has preached on it many times about the Spirit of God coming and knocking at the door. The lover comes and knocks and she says, ah, I already changed. I'm in my nightie. I put lotion on my hands and feet too. And then she gets up and he's gone. Early in the morning, if you were sensitive, he would have said, wake up. Come aside with me. I know your stress. I know your pressure. I know you're falling apart. Wake up. Come apart with me. We didn't listen. We had a free will. And we chose to go in the way of the flesh. I will go my way. You turn around. Went back to sleep. Then when you woke up, you started your work, started your day. You disturb everybody. Would you pray for me? Would you uphold me in prayer? And Jesus is listening to that prayer and the Spirit of God is saying, but uh, son, I woke that person in the morning. But he would refuse to pray. Now he's troubling everybody else. They live in the time of outsourcing. Now it's become part of their character. Come. He invites, come. God speaks. Through the books, he speaks. For every crisis you go through, Every problem you go through, there is an answer. There is an answer. And there is power. And there is strength. And there is peace. And there is joy. And there is liberty. The question is, will we listen? Will we choose in our will to obey? There is a way that seems right to man. At the end of it is, 
that. We can see, don't make it into see most of the things in life. We don't need to fast and pray. You really want to fast and pray? What is the purpose of fasting? You're afflicting your soul so you can bend your will to God's will. That is the purpose of fasting. And if that does not happen, your fasting is worth nothing. Do you remember the disciples came and told Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, this is how you need to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, your name, your kingdom, your will, your power, your glory. Have you noticed after that they never asked him to teach them to pray? Oh Lord, what a wonderful prayer. Would you take us to deeper depths about prayer? Nobody wanted. Because there's nothing in the self for in that prayer. What is there in the self for that? You know why we don't pray? Let me tell you honestly why we don't pray. Because the old man sees there is nothing in the prayer for him. Therefore he refuses to pray. Because everything in the prayer is death to the self. And then Christ comes alive. We don't pray. Because we see, the old man sees. There is nothing in that for me. It's all for him. We don't pray. We don't genuinely, genuinely have a prayer life. Why did Jesus pray every day of his life all the way to the cross? Why did he pray? Because he was seeing prayer as the death knell to his self-life so that his father could live through him. That is the truth. Behind every promise in the Bible, let me tell you very clearly, behind every promise in the Bible, if you really want to actualize it and experience it, there is a death of self. That's because you don't read closely, you don't understand what it is. Famine is coming. Right? Famine is here. Famine is coming. Why should God feed you in famine? How can God feed you in famine? There was only one man who ate through famine when famine hit his Israel. Who is that? Elijah. Why? Because his entire life was surrendered for God's will and not for his will. So he said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you. I have commanded the widow to feed you. There's a command going from heaven to take her off him. You know why? Because the principle in the new covenant is you don't work to eat. You work to give. Why do you work? Where does your assurance come when famine comes? I will not. I was old. I was young. I am old. I have never seen the righteous beg bread. Why? Because he gives freely. He gives freely. Why do I work? Why do you work? We are not of the world. We are not of the old man. We are of the new man. Jesus says in Ephesians chapter 4, you work so that you can give. You don't work to eat because your father feeds even the sparrows of the world, the lilies of the of the field. He takes care of all of them. Don't be like the Gentiles because they go after these things because they do not know who God is. But you know God is your father. Ask any parent sitting here whose children are in school. When they go to school, they work. But when they come back, they don't eat because they worked. They eat because they are children. Did you study today? No. Did you do your homework? No food for you. Which father says that? He will say, come and eat and go finish your homework. No child works to eat. They eat because they are children. But they work. The father's children work. 
to be like the father because they have understood it is more blessed to give than to receive. And everything in life, there is a way that looks right to man and there is a way that looks which is right in God. You know what? You really want job satisfaction? Do your work the way God told you to work. You will be satisfied. It's got nothing to do with your income. 13 years, Joseph slaved in Egypt. He didn't get one penny as remuneration. Nothing. But he was the most satisfied man in Egypt simply because the way he worked, God was with him. Let me ask you this question. Can God be with you the way you work? Like we say in English, let us get to brass tacks. Because famine is here. What is your assurance God will feed you? That he can command something to take care of you. Command a person or command a being. Take care of my servant. Take care of my child. Can he? Can he? This is what we are talking about. There's an invitation always from God. Come, 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 come. Come to me, come to me, come to me. And every day when you rise up, man in the world, when he rises up, he rises up to love. The child of God rises up to die first. Then only he will love. If you live, he's not in your life. He's silent. His voice is silent. You rise up and first die to yourself. Then he lives. He speaks to you. And when he speaks, his words are life. That's how it works. So all these invitations are going on. Don't make it so complicated. This is got nothing in the word of God is complicated because there is a will there. There is a will there because using that will we have made tougher choices and great sacrifice and obedience when our self is involved. But we won't do it when his self is involved. But the problem is we are burned out because we are running on our own steam. When all the power of God and the grace of God is available on that side. For whose life? His life. And there is liberty in it. In Matthew 25 and verse 34. Then, when we reach eternity, the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come. There's invitation in heaven also. If you've been to, if you've been to, how do you use high funder parties where dignitaries and all come? Everybody is given their assigned table. You don't go sit wherever you want. It's not free seating. Okay? Your name will be there and when you come over there, somebody will escort you and they will take you. And take you to your seat. That's what will happen on that day. There will be an angel who will escort you to your seat. Come. Take your seat. This is where you are. Sit. Come. This is that invitation you are waiting to hear. Come. The king will say to those on your rise, Come. Who are you? Blessed of my father. But when we are on planet earth, people did not see you that way. They said, what a waste of life. You must be cursed of God. But now God says, you are blessed of the father. Come, 
inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So there is Jesus. Who said, I am the way. Born of a woman. So he got this body. Under the law, all the commands are given. And every day, he chose. He chose to go God's way and not his own way. Every day, he chose. So the invitation is coming on every day. Every day we have a choice. Rise up in the morning. Say, come apart with God. Hear what he has to say for that day. And in the sum total of what you have heard, the choices are not very difficult. Very, it's very complicated. Not very complicated. It's very simple. The gospel is very simple. Love your wives as... Oh, let me ask this question. Because I will ask this question and a rhetorical question and since you are all sanctified, glorified saints, everybody will have one opinion. How many of you think God is ignorant? God is ignorant. Anybody who thinks God is ignorant? Sure. Absolutely sure. Then when you go to your prayer closet and when you pray and the man hears, love your wife as Christ Jesus loved the church, why do you tell God you don't understand? When the wife goes to the prayer closet and God says, submit your husband in all things, ask him to the Lord, what is your first response in your heart? But you don't understand. So you think God is ignorant, right? In your office place, when you are in trouble and you go to God and you say, God says, listen to your manager, what do you say? But you don't understand what kind of a person he is. When God tells children, listen to your parents, but you don't know what my father... Basically, we tell God, you're ignorant. But did you all say he's not ignorant? Everybody? But in your prayer life, isn't that true? Everybody actually functionally behaves as God if he's ignorant. You don't know what I'm going through. Ayo! (laughs) People don't know what to do. Come to him. Look at John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of... Now read the next. But you were not willing to come to me. That you may have life. You go to church, but you don't go to Christ. You go for the prayer meeting, but you don't go to Christ. You go to Bible study, but you don't go to Christ. Coming to church and coming to Christ are not the same. It can be the same, but they are not the same. This is the only one you don't go to is to me. But you don't come to me. That you may have life. You are not willing to come to me. Why don't people... It's easier to go to church than to go to Christ. Because to go to Christ, you have to die to yourself. To church, it is not a problem at all. It's very easy. You can come late, you can come early, you don't need to come at all. Come whenever you want, come as you want. To come to Christ, you have to deny yourself. Pastor, I'm already tired. (laughs) The blessing of free will. Or will it be the tragedy of free will? 
Don't blame the devil for many things that is happening in your life. Let me prove it from scripture. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gadarenes. When he had come out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tomb, a man with an unclean spirit. He actually had a legion. One spirit, a combination of them with one name. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him. Not even with chains. Meaning his self-will was so strong, now empowered by the demonic, he would break the chains off. Self-will, empowered by this, absolutely strong. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Do you realize six and seven are two personalities? It is six. It is he, the one who runs. At seven, it is a demon who is speaking. So even in a completely demon-possessed situation, he exercises his free will, which is still untouched, to go to Christ. So what stops you? What stops you? What stops you and me? If he could go, you and I can go. Are you bound? Are you wandering around the tombs? Are you in the, in the mountains crying day and night and cutting yourself? But when Christ came, he went. And therefore he was delivered. His free will at that point overrules all the demonic power. And he exercises his free will to move his legs towards Jesus and not away from Jesus. And he set free. The first thing we need to do is stop making excuses. We can if we want. Because we do many things every day which we want. And we know it is not the will of God for us. We can if we want. So he comes and he invites us. And he says, come to me. Come to me. What is stopping you? We are like the young rich ruler. We have this one thing, or maybe many things, but we know if we go to him, he will say something. And now we are such scripturally well-versed, we know what he will touch, and we are not willing. God respects and honors our free will. So there is this man, Sitting there as a cripple for 38 years by the pool, politely the general savior goes to him and says, Do you want to be made well? I'm not going to overrule your will and says, Rise up. No. Do you want to get well? And immediately he begins his excuses. I didn't ask any of those things. I asked only one question. Do you want to get well? If you want to get well, you've got a crutch. You have to let go of that mat. Pick it up. And walk away from here. Question is, will you let go of that crutch? 
Will you let go of that mat? Which comforts you when you are tormented. It comforts you when you are tormented. It doesn't heal you. It doesn't make you whole. But it brings enormous comfort. You know why I am like this? Because of what happened in my past. God says nothing. You are like this because you chose not to get well. You could be free in an instant. If you choose right. Because freedom first comes inside. Then it is manifested outside. So the simple question is, do you want to be free? Do you want to be made whole? Because you have a strong will. Can you turn that will and exercise it towards God, please? Because the Bible, we heard it many times from the portion in the gospel. Jesus was in this house. Everybody has come. The house is packed. And then there is one little line. The power of God was present to heal everyone. But nobody is getting healed. You mean if nobody wants healing? We want healing my way, not your way. There comes a crippled man carried by four people. Roof is broken and he is let down. What did they use their will to break every barrier to reach Jesus Christ? And Jesus said, forgiven, pick up your mat and you can go. What did they use their will for? There was a woman with the issue of blood 12 years. And the Bible says she went to so many physicians and spent all her time. And then she heard about Jesus. And she pressed through the crowd. So she had a will. And she had strength. Imagine she went to 10 doctors. 10 hospitals. Do you know how much is your waiting time? You went there. You took the token. You sat there. And you're waiting, 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 waiting. Nothing happened. Went to the next doctor because the disease came back. You waited. And suddenly she hears about Jesus. She said, you know what? Didn't I go to all these places? Didn't I wait all this? Didn't I travel all this? Didn't I spend all this money? You know what? I'm going to use that same will and turn it. I don't care what the law says. I don't care how big the crowd is. I am going to press through and I'm going to touch the hem of his robe. She had a will. And she used the will towards God. And God said, boom, you are healed. You are set free. What do we use our will for? So first thing to do is stop making excuses. Let me ask this question. When you get first rank, when you get admission to IIT, when you get promotion as senior manager in your company, do you come and say, you know what? I never expected it. Randomly it came into my life. Who says? A boy will say, I worked hard. I burned the midnight oil. Oh, so you used all that willpower to do this, right? Why couldn't you do it for God? So you had the willpower. Now people in the world, 
People in the world who do not know Christ walk over from alcohol just like that because they have a willpower. They stop smoking just like that. They walk away from alcohol. Addict. Everything they just walk away just like that. Because it's simply a matter of will. And here we have the living God giving us an invitation. Not only will I deliver you, I will give you a purpose so that you never have to go back to it. Your life will be full. I will give you life. You know why people go into all these things? Because they don't have purpose. But I will not only set you free, I will give you purpose. But we don't go. We will say, I am oppressed. No, you are not oppressed. It's your will. You choose to be oppressed. You choose to be oppressed. Because everything to break oppression is given here in the world. Did you thank God? Did you praise God? Did you go to the house of God? Did you wake up in the morning? Did you read your word? Did you do by your will? Or you didn't feel like that? Yeah, when you went to the ice cream parlor, you felt. When you went for the movie, you felt. When you went for this IPL match, you felt. But when it comes to God, I don't feel. Who said you have to feel? Who told you you have to feel? Do you have a will? There is no flocks in the stocks. It is empty. You look into the garden. It is empty. You look into the fields. It is empty. Yet I will praise the Lord. If you feel and therefore you do something, it is sight. I don't have to feel anything. It is written. It is true. And therefore I will do it. You know what the Bible says? He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. And I go up. I don't go down. Choose this day. God says, I said before you life and death. I have told you all these things. Choose this day. Life and death. Blessing and curses. Choose. Every day you look into your mirror. And when you look into your mirror, when you look into yourself, you know exactly who you are. And you know what you do every day? You forgive yourself. So don't tell me it is difficult to forgive somebody else. You choose to walk in unforgiveness when you know exactly how to forgive yourself every day. Is there anybody here who has not forgiven himself or herself for the stuff you have done last week? You did. But you choose not to forgive. But you know you can do. It's got nothing to do with emotions. It's an act of will. Emotions will follow. I choose to forgive. 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 It's an act of will. You don't have to feel on the cross hanging there. You think it's feelings or I have come to do your will. Father, I forgive them. You can choose not to be offended. Oh, he offends me. You're a child. That's what our children used to say. My Andrew always irritates me. I said, no, you are irritable. You're just irritable. Because you're not having your way with him. Because these things are important. I choose to thank you. Did you thank him? God stopped you. Your will stopped you. Luke 9, 23, 24. 
Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever desires to stay, save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I'll go to the next portion. Now we will have a hue and cry. If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. And verse 31. Or, yeah, let's leave 31 alone. Unless he gives up everything. I think in 32 or 33. Okay. Now listen to me carefully. We had father, we had mother, we have wife, we have children. Everybody is there. When it comes to Christ, it is very difficult. Let one of these girls get married. Bye-bye, daddy. Bye-bye, mommy. I am going. How quickly do you leave? So you know how to leave. It's not that you cannot leave. When your self is involved, you will leave. Oh, I can't leave daddy and mommy. Get an admission in the U.S. in a university with full scholarship. You will quickly say bye and go and come back after 10 years. So you know how to leave. Mommy will cry. Daddy will say, no, daddy, I will do it on my own. I am going. So God says, don't try these things with me. Because I see you every day leaving your father and mother and your wife and your children. When something satisfies yourself. Get a job offer from abroad. Five times the package. Wife will say, honey, don't go, but go. (laughs) Children will say, daddy, where are you going? When you come back, what will you bring for me? God says, don't fool me. Don't fool me. If your life is there in it, You are willing to lose anything. But when it comes to my life, oh, you calculate the cost. But when it had to be about you, I did not calculate the cost. So let's stop fooling ourselves. Most of the things which God asks are very simple because an actual World, this two-dimensional, which world is three-dimensional, right, Pastor Vijay? I'm very bad at it. Three-dimensional world, we do this every day. Do you remember the first day your child went to school and he cried and bawled? One week later he said, Mommy, don't come with me. Are we getting the picture? Very simple. See, all the anointing in the world and Jesus himself coming and preaching to you will not make you move an inch unless you use your will. Your will stands in the way. Always a question of that man is, my will or your will. When Christ came, behold in the volume of the book, it is written about me. That is Hebrews 10, 5 to 7. You have to listen and read it in that order. In that order. What is it written? Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not. But that's what we give him every day. 
I don't want your sacrifice and offering. Did he do my will? But I went for six days meeting for what? You went looking if there was something that would feed your dream, your will, your ambition. That was great sacrifice. Burnt offerings. You burned your petrol by speeding also. Burnt offering. When petrol was 120 a liter, you burned to reach on time because you didn't want to meet a prophetic word which would feed yourself. So don't talk to me about your offering and your sacrifice. The whole thing, was it about me or about you? That's what it says. I don't want your burnt offerings. I don't want your sacrifices. But what did I come here for? Verse 6 and 7. Behold, in the in, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So to do God's will, when the son poured out his life, literally like a burnt offering, the father was very pleased. So his entire life was an offering and a burnt offering and the father was very pleased because it was connected to the father's will. He was not trying to find his life. He was trying to lose his life. Therefore he found his life. Now why we are not consistent in our walk with God? Because we are fooling ourselves. We look at all the sacrifices. Really? Sacrifices. Did Hannah ever talk about the sacrifices she made for Samuel? No. Every year she went to Shiloh. She wept. She cried. Final visit. She poured out her soul. And her first thing is this. You give me a son. I promise you. I give him back to you. And I will raise him up in such a way that he will walk in your ways. A razor shall not touch that year when she had the baby, it was time to go to Shiloh. Husband said, go. She said, nope. I haven't raised this child for myself. I have raised this child for God. Not my will. For his will. Therefore, she handed it over to him. And God gave her a song. After she handed over, God gave her a song. It is called Hannah's song. And it's a war song. Why? Because every sacrifice she went through, it was for God, not for herself. Then you will have a song. Do we have a song? Do we have a song? Can the Spirit of God birth a song in you? Isn't that what is written? The man of sorrow has been anointed with the oil of gladness. How is it possible? I love it. So if you turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. After 11 chapters of doctrine, the Spirit of God through Apostle Paul, what is he doing? 
What is he doing? Begging. God does not get any pleasure in a sinner going to hell. Not at all. And he's beseeching. Please, in the mercy, light of the mercies of God, would you please? Not a command. Therefore, I, with the Spirit of God, command you. No, beseech you. You still have your free will. And I'm beseeching you in your free will, exercise your free will to offer yourselves to God. A living sacrifice daily. Please. I'm trying now to appeal to your emotions so that your emotions will empower your will to choose God every day. That's what I said. Can either be joy or the tragedy of the free will. A horror of eternity without God or the joy of eternity with God. Luke 16, verse 23, 24. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. You know the English usage, all dressed up and nowhere to go? That's this man. All in hell, all the free will, nothing to choose. You still have your free will. Nothing to choose. Now he's saying, would you give me a drop of water? Even that won't be satisfied. Why? Because all these years, you had Moses, you had the prophets, you had the synagogue, you had the preaching. You chose your way. Now this is where you ended. Even there you have your free will. But there is no exit. Honestly for people who are really struggling. In this summer season. I will give you a very good exercise. Really good exercise. Find a small room with thick curtains. Where you can pull the curtains. And it is really really dark. Really dark. Get into that room. No fan. No AC. No food. Just shut yourself for 24 hours and you will experience what hell is like. Darkness, no sound, no fellowship, no choices. The ninth plague in Egypt was that. Three days. Absolute darkness that could be felt. Egyptians could not arise because the darkness was pushing them back in their seats. And God said, this is what it is like. Taste of hell. Next, they lost their firstborn. My question is, how many Egyptians follow the God of Israel? None. Because they had a will to choose. And in their will, they refused the God of Israel. You have a will. Nobody is stopping. God says, choose. Joshua says, choose this day whom you may serve. As for me and my household, I have chosen. You choose. Because I brought you, we conquered the land. I am the leader. I can't choose for you. I cannot tamper with your free will. God has given you a free will. Even in the promised land, he has given you a free will. Even after victories, he has given you a free will. Choose. 
Elijah stands on Mount Carmel after three and a half years of famine and says, if Yahweh is God, if Baal is God, choose whom you will follow. People said nothing. We are not choosing. Show a spectacle, then we'll choose. You see that? So there is an invitation. Invitation. Come. Come. The crucified Savior says, come. Drink of me. But Lord, where is this water? Why is it coming? Where is it coming freely? From a riven side. Come and be cleansed. Come and be drink. Come and eat. Come and be satisfied. Come, come, come. Ephesians 2, 8. Well-known scriptures. We are saved by grace. You have been saved through faith. That not of yourself. It is the gift of. What is the gift of God? You have a free will. You have common sense. Now don't tell me you don't have common sense. That's what the Bible is given to the poor. Or the preaching is poor. The poor respond very fast. Ask Pastor, they respond very fast. Very simply they respond. Their minds are not complicated because the self is very little. They are not thinking about going to Dubai or green card or buying a three bedroom apartment in a gated colony, nothing. Most of them don't have their own places. They do daily labor. And when they hear there is a God who died for you, loves for you, they don't even know how to respond. Is this really true? It is true. And he's inviting you, come. I cannot promise you anything on planet earth, but I promise you absolute security in the next life. Absolute security. You have a father, you have a family, you have a home, you have a city, you have a country. Forever. Will you just believe? You don't have to see. Will you just believe? Because of who is speaking. It is God who is speaking. From the cross. Come. And when you believe, when you make that step, they were cut to the heart. What should we do? He said, repent. Believe. What happens? God gives you the faith to believe. I can't believe on my own. Even that God will give you. He gives you the faith to believe only if you respond to that call. Lord, I don't know how to pray. He says, would you just wake up in the morning when I tell you and come to pray. I will give you the faith to pray. I don't understand the Bible when I read. Would you just get up and come to me. I will give you the faith and open your eyes to understand. I will. Would you? The faith to believe so that grace can come in. You cannot have grace without faith. The faith is a gift from God, not just grace. Even faith is a gift from God. Would you just respond is what God is saying. And look at how KJV puts it, the best translation, especially with these words. No other translation captures this. Galatians 2.20. Mark it. 
in KJV. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By the faith of the Son of God. Whose faith does God give you? His own faith. God operates everything by faith. He doesn't go to a lab, experiment, and then create the world. Everything is by faith. When you have to believe, do you know what he does? He gives his own faith to you. Do you know the faith that you have, more precious than gold, which is tested in fire, is the very faith of God that created and sustains everything. That very faith he gives you. Nothing else can save you. Only the faith of God can save you. That's the faith he gives you. That's the faith he has. That's why when the disciples says, increase our faith. He says, do you know, even if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, do you understand the nature and the quality of that faith? He says, do you understand? I've told this illustration when Tsar Nicholas, one of the Tsars of Russia, was ruling. He had this habit of going incognito, dressed and checking out in the night his citizens. And there was this poor soldier on sentry, and his debt was all piled up. So he was sitting there in night duty, and he wrote, this much I owe, this one, this much, this one, this one, this one, and he piled it up. It's a huge amount. For him, it's a huge amount. And then he looked at it, and he wrote, Lord, he said, who will pay my debt? And he fell asleep. The Tsar was passing by in his come of in his incognito dress like a poor man. He looked at this man sleeping. He looked at the paper. He took the paper, read it and looked at him. Then he took his pen seal and put his seal and put it back in his hand. The morning when the man woke up, he said, Tsar will pay your bill. He took the paper, went to the treasury and they cleared his debt because of who wrote it there. Do you know your faith? Do you know whose faith has been given to you? Whose faith has been given to us. It's God's faith that saves you. No faith of man. No faith of intellect. No faith of reason. No faith of flesh will can save you. Only God's faith. That was what given to you. Only if you make one step towards God. Come to me. and Keep on coming to God. What does God give? He gives us faith. Go to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. And read what is written. Simon Peter the bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained what? Like precious faith with us. So the faith that has been given to you and to me, is the same faith that was given to Peter and Paul. Apostolic faith. Same faith. If you are saved, if you have faith, it is the same faith of God, it is the same faith the apostles has. The simple question is, what are we doing with it? Are we exercising our will towards faith? Or towards flesh. Towards flesh, we call it sight. Towards God, we call it faith. But your will is there in the middle. What do you do? What do you do? The cross is common ground. Faith is common currency. As we come to the close, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 2, 23 to 26. When you come to God, gives you the gift of faith and he tells you to do each day something. And as this pile up, you know what you need to do each day. A timetable is formed in your life. 
Jesus' life, if you knew, he had a timetable. He woke up in the morning to read the word or meditate upon the word and to pray. Timetable is setting in. A pattern of fasting, a pattern of giving, a pattern. And then God will tell you out of the box things to do. He will, he will tell. But let's get into a framework of a timetable in our life. Let's get into that discipline of it. And then listen to this. And the scriptures was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. You see then, a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. That completes the faith. There is a hearing. There is a believing. There is a confession. There is an action. Faith is complete. Grace sports. And then, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Why did I bring it? Because of who God is. Comparison. Abraham and Rahab. Abraham the man, Rahab the woman. Abraham the Jew, Rahab the Gentile. Abraham the patriarch, Rahab the prostitute. First Jew to be saved in the promised land. First Gentile to be saved in the promised land. One is somebody, friend of God. The other is nobody. What made them equal? Faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Rahab. Doesn't matter who you are. Patriarch or prostitute. It does not matter who you are. Somebody or nobody does not matter who you are. When you hear the voice of God, when you read the word of God, when you get these invitations, come to me. The question is, what will you do? What will you do? That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only that, once you step into that way, 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. 2.21 For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his He's not only the way. He showed us the way. That's why he came and asked his disciples. You search scriptures. What do you find? Promises for prosperity. Promises for healing. See when your mind. Is down. You don't see. What is from above. God comes and tells Abraham. What does he tell Abraham? I am your shield. An exceedingly great reward. Did he say, I will protect you? He says, no. He said, I am your protection. Did he say, I will give you rewards? He says, I am your reward. What did this man say? The patriarch, our father in faith. I have no children. What's the point? And this dude, no, Eliezer, he will take it all. When you search scriptures, 
what do you seek? You remember Resurrection Sunday message? Jesus asking Mary Magdalene, why is the work in heaven stopped? Because he asked this woman, woman, what do you seek? And she said, my savior. I seek my Lord. And he said, Mary, it's me. Why did he reveal himself to her? Because of what she was seeking. Early in the morning, in the dark, in the graveyard, before an empty tomb, a woman stood there crying, seeking her Savior. If you seek him, you will still find him. Why was all of Jerusalem, Pilate and the leaders and the religious leaders troubled when they heard strange men had come asking, where is he born king of Jews? Did they find Jesus? No. Did the wise men find Jesus? Yes. Why? Because they sought him. Jerusalem to Bethlehem was nine miles. From where the wise men came to Jerusalem must have been one year or two years they traveled. They found him. The dudes who lived next door did not find him. The guys who came from travel for two years found him. Because when Herod asked him, when did you see the stars? And he calculated, he found the child should be two years old. So they have been traveling for two years and they found him. The guys who were next door did not see him. Why? You always find what you seek. When you see Christ, you will find him. It's an act of your will. You choose to stay. That's a great blessing God has given mankind. You can choose God. The lion cannot choose God. He's called the king of the jungle. The elephant is the mighty one. He cannot choose God. The birds of the air cannot choose God. You and I can choose God or deny God. And God says, choose me and love. God can only invite. God can only invite. Where did we start all this? Do you know which which words we started all this? Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all went our own way. But do you remember, do you know how the words begins, the chapter begins? Isaiah 53, verse 1. See it. Isaiah 53 and verse 1. How does it begin? Who has believed our report? You heard so much today. One and a half hours. Did you believe? It's always a question. Who has believed our report? That's for the prophet. Jesus did this. Jesus did this. Jesus did I am forgiven. He was afflicted. I am forgiven. He was wounded. I am healed. All that. Did you believe? Who has believed our report? Lose your life, find your life, find your life, lose your life. Who has believed? Deny yourself, pick up your cross. Who has believed? Our report. And when it comes to the new covenant, in Romans 10, 21, do you know what the Lord says? To Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. Hold up your hands. And don't put it down. Let me see how long you will keep it. Do you know why God says a day is like a thousand years? When he's saying about all day long, he's talking about I held my hand up for a few thousand years hoping somebody would come and nobody came. We get tired, right? Worship a little, then our hands come down because it's aching. Here is a God who creator of everything says all day 
I stood with my hands. Come, 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 come. And he says, there's none, none who seeks me. They seek me for themselves. They don't seek me for me. Yet this word of God says, when he came, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Last two verses, I want to stop. Luke 22, 40 to 44, and then Hebrew 12, 4. Then he came to that place and he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Temptation, prayer, blood dripping, angelic intervention. Why? Your will, not my will. Your will, not my think about the agony of his prayer. There is temptation to go your way. And there is this prayer. There is angelic intervention. And there is blood spattering over there. Now go to Hebrews 12 and verse 4. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he realizes, I too have the free will. To reject my father's cup. And when I choose that, I sin. And he's shedding blood. Not my will, your will. I will not go my way. I will not sin. You all have gone like sheep. Each one to his own way. I will not go my way. I will go your way. Are we? So there is this invitation. So let's stand up this morning. It's so simple. The gospel is so simple. You can choose to believe. You can choose to praise. You can choose to thank. You can choose to rise up in the morning and pray. You can choose to read your way. You can choose to obey. It's very simple. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's very simple. So this evening, this morning, just choose that I will obey God. That's simple. You know, Pastor Vijay, was it last Sunday or the Sunday before he said about all of them who came and said, here I am. And God spoke, here I am, here I am, here I am. Right? God spoke. Directly to them. There was another young man. He was given two dreams about overcoming and becoming a king. And then his father called him and said, Your brothers, the dudes who don't like him, are far away. Can you go check out how they are? What did he say? You've been given a vision and a dream of great 
prosperity. And then you are asked to do something menial, something simple. You have to die to your flesh. And because he said yes to it, one day he will become king. It's a very simple thing. Go check out how your brothers are. And he said, here I am. And he did not know he was on the road to his destiny. Simply because he said to his father, here I am. Not my will. Your will be done. Simple. God doesn't have any bad plans for any child of his. Then he's not a father. He has only good plans. Eternally perfect plans for everybody. The question is, when the invitation goes forth, will you and I say, here I am. Many basic things what we need to do every day, we know. Don't worry about the things you don't know. Be concerned about the things you know. Praying, reading a word, not being offended, walking in forgiveness, being grateful, thanking God for the little, little things. Do these basic things. Then suddenly God will speak to you and you will be able to say, here I am. That's simple. Don't make walk with God complicated. It's very simple. The simplicity of the gospel. Don't like you be turned away to wisdom and knowledge and becoming like God. Keep it quiet. Leave that all aside. Do the simple things. Walk with God. And suddenly he will tell you what you need to do. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you. The fact, Lord, that you invite us itself is mind-boggling. We are what you said about Jacob. Jacob, you worm. Usually we squash worms under our feet. You pick them up, we worms. You save us, you clothe us, you carry us from the womb to the tomb, and then you seat us with the throne. Father, we don't even understand what this is. But we believe. Because you are faithful. I wouldn't do it. I don't think any one of us would do it to a worm. I don't know anybody who has carried an earthworm home and kept it in their mattress or on their pillow. We squash them. Even though they are harmless, we dislike them because they remind us of the snake. But you, Lord, we were seed of the serpent. We were children of the devil. Enemies of God. Yet, you came Took the iniquity of us all, and then you invite us, come. All who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, I will give you rest. Lord, I want to respond to that invitation today, myself. I leave it to others personally to respond to you. I want to come to you, I want your rest every day. Not just today, not just tomorrow. That rest was purchased by the price that was paid on the cross. It, that rest for me was not cheap. It was paid in blood. The blood and the life of God's own son. His soul was poured out on Calvary. And therefore, Lord, I want that rest. I want to begin in rest. I want to end in rest. Though with all the things around the world that is taking place, Lord, I want to come to you and have rest. And then daily drink of you. Come apart with you. Dine with you. Stay with you. And Lord, if I am fortunate, we are fortunate, one day be on your right side 
and to be told, come and die. You for whom this was prepared before the foundation of the world. That's all we ask. Oh Father, help us to respond to your invitation. Gentle Savior. You don't shout in the streets. A smoking flax you don't put out. A bruised reed you don't break. But you stand there on the street places, the marketplaces. And you gently cry out, come, come to me. Even today, you are crying out to everyone who is hurt, who is wounded, who is thirsty, who is laboring, who is broken. Come to me. I will heal you. I will make you whole. And I will walk along with you every day. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. If we do not respond to your invitation, come in this lifetime, then there will be another day when you will tell us, go, I do not know you. This is the time. And today is the day. So word says, do not harden your heart when the Spirit speaks. We come to you. We receive of you your will for our life. And it is well with my soul. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Protect your children. Bless your children. Keep your children. And help us to walk in peace with you. Peace with one another. Without offense. Without unforgiveness. Grateful for every little thing that we receive every day. Because we are unworthy. And you give us everything freely. All we want to do, Lord, now is to lift up our hands and bless your holy name. Bless your holy name and bless your holy name, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we stand in your house and we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. And amen.